The Gist is sponsored by OneHub, letting you securely store and share your business files online. Featuring the all-new OneHub Sync, the fastest way to keep all your teams working from the same page. Try it for free, and Gist listeners can receive a special discount by visiting onehub.com slash gist. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Tuesday, July 28th, 2015 from Slate. It's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Today in the news, so much to choose from, so many malefactors. There are new Trump-usations. But the thing about Trump-splosions or Trump-eruptions, they're like the F train, Miss One, another will be by in, sadly enough, 25 minutes on my commute today. How about this one? Satanists, ooh, it's been a long time in America since we started a story with Satanists, but we get to. Satanists erect a goat head statue in Detroit. I have seen this thing. It's like a cover of a blacky lawless wasp album. But when we say goat head statue, it's pretty, pretty badly described because, yeah, it does have a goat head, but it also has goat hooves, but it also has wings, and it also has only a human torso. The thing is mostly goat. It's prominently bird. It's maybe only a quarter human. We've got to stop being so anthropocentric and start being uh, caprine. That means other relating to goats. Caprine. On a side note, this goat statue, if you want to call that, it's not going to get a lot of followers. Statues are pretty old. You need a Satan goat gif. You know, something shareable. All right. So what unspeakable evil is left to address? Hulk Hogan. As part of the Hulkster's $100 million suit against the Gawksters at Gawker, it emerged that not only was Hulkamania running wild, so was blatant racism. He was fired by WWE. On a related note, news to me, he was up to that point still employed by WWE. I am not up on my current wrestling storylines. The Hulkster, who actually might just be Dog the Bounty Hunter with his glasses off, we'll never know, has been revealed to have uttered many of uh, terrible anti-black slurs, anti-gay slurs. Just if there's a slur, the Hulkster said it. The WWE can now act like it's also opposed to gay bashing too. Sure, wrap it up in the entire decision to fire the Hulkster. Here's an interesting tweet from Kevin Blackstone, who's a sports columnist, a journalism professor. He says, in a sport, in quotes, steeped in overt racist imagery, meaning pro wrestling, the outrage is over old star Hulk Hogan spitting a racial epithet. Hilarious, not fake. He's so right. If you even do a toe touch into the world of WWE, racism's about as subtle as a pile driver. There was Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter. There was something called the Nation of Domination, which were a group of black wrestlers who acted like members of the Nation of Islam. There was a wrestler who started out as Papa Shango, a voodoo witch doctor, and later became the godfather, who was an outrageous pimp figure who offered rides on his hoe train. I do wonder why being against racism in this country really pretty much means for big corporations just being against one word in this country. I understand the reasons that people are insincere when they say they're against racism. I don't know if they are, that people are looking at the bottom line. I just think it's a weird situation that we have what amounts to the death penalty for one word and then at worst parole or work release for everything else. I'm not asking for a deep soul search into unconscious bias or microaggressions. I'm talking about incontrovertible statements that go out every day, 
every episode of Imus, I listen to Imus in the morning all the time, every episode had a statement as offensive, as racially stereotypical as when he called the Rutgers players nappy-headed hoes. Everyone, you just had to look if you cared to look. The WWE, rife with racist stereotypes. Colin Cowherd, just fired by ESPN for an anti-Dominican statement, said a dozen things that were equally as bad. I guess it was because he was leaving ESPN in about a week. I do not like firing people for misstatements, for statements they like back, for the worst statements they ever uttered, for privately recorded conversations. But I also don't like total corporate backing of everything else besides the one racist word. We as a country are getting less racist, but in media, the only only proof of this is that if you draw ratings, you can't say the N-word. Other than that, we got your back. Today, I spiel about events that don't even take place in America and why we ask of the president, how could you say that while outside America? And we will discuss the Chinese. No, not the country, not the people, the food right now, and that thing inside it, MSG. Here's Maria Konnikova. <laughs> Here on The Gist, in our never-ending quest to give you the truth, the plain truth about science and cures, we've explored areas of the East, the Far East, Eastern cures. We've done acupuncture. We've at least talked about feng shui. But now I want to talk about a Chinese remedy that you hear all the time. No MSG. This is the claim of every Chinese place, and no MSG upon request. Well, what about monosodium glutamate? Is that right? Glutamate? Yes. <laughs> well, here, here, my good glutamate is Maria Konnikova. She's the author of Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes, and an upcoming book about con men called The Confidence Game. She comes on our show to play Is That Bullshit? And today, hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. And today... Shall we say no more MSG, no MSG? Well, before we answer that, what is MSG? MSG, as you said, monosodium glutamate. I did say it. I said it wrong, but then I said it right. Yes. Is a salt, basically. It's a sodium that occurs in glutamate. What's glutamate? So it's a sodium salt of glutamic acid, which Uh is one of the non-essential amino acids. Okay, so that's why they could add it or not add it, as you say, because it's non-essential. But why do they add it? Does it taste good? Does it taste salty? Well, originally MSG was identified because it occurs naturally in foods. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, tomatoes Mm -hmm. have MSG. Everything that has glutamic acid is going to have monosodium glutamate for the most part. And so at some point, a researcher was trying to figure out why seaweed tastes so good, mm-hmm. Japanese seaweed, um, and identified this substance MSG. And it was basically derived in order to get the umami taste mm-hmm. stimulated. So, you know, we talk about sweet, sour, um, and umami is kind of the the taste that no one really knows what it is, but it's right. kind of that. The fifth taste. Exactly. And it is associated with Chinese food, Japanese food, Asian food. Listen to the name, umami. So is this added, you know, is this the case like in the 1970s, Chinese food was just adding it left and right and they didn't think that uh, it would bother people and then there was a backlash? I'm just imagining what the history of MSG <laughs> might be. Yeah, so, so the history of MSG is that a lot of people, not just Chinese food, used it as a flavor enhancer because once it was discovered that it could well, enhance flavor, Mm -hmm. people started saying, oh, let me add this just like I would add salt. So I'm going to add a little salt and pepper to this, maybe a little MSG, see if that gives it a nice kick. And all was going well. 
until people started doing several things. One of them was complaining of something they called Chinese restaurant syndrome. Uh-huh. They said, after I eat Chinese food, I get this tightness in my chest, this quickening of breath. You know, I feel like something's really, really wrong. Is that what good food's supposed to do? <laughs> I guess I don't understand eating. So, so could it be the MSG? Right. And other people said, well, you know, we, we've, done, we've seen that MSG can have bad effects in rats. Uh-huh. Maybe it's really hurting humans. Maybe it's affecting our metabolism. Maybe it's affecting our heart rate. Maybe it's, you know, affecting all sorts of endocrine function, other right. function. The one complaint I heard is the tongue, the swelling mm. of the tongue. The swelling of the tongue as well, yes. Yes. So this was all Chinese restaurant effect? I haven't heard that. Yeah. 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 Syndrome, I think. Yeah. Synd- oh, a syndrome. Yeah. A yeah. bonafide syndrome. And basically... All of the food commissions all over the world. It wasn't just the FDA, but there's there are European commissions. There are commissions established by various international bodies. They said, okay, let's look at the evidence, mm-hmm. and so they basically did one of the most thorough reviews. This is back in 1987, I want to say, and they looked at all of the data from rats, from dogs, from humans, from every trial that they had, and they found that. Sometimes, yes, MSG could have a bad effect, but only in such ridiculously high doses Mm -hmm. that in humans it basically made no sense because no one would ever have something in that dose. And the funny thing is they then did a study with those high doses and found that it had no effect if it was in food. The only time they found an effect is if you swallowed it as a standalone pill while not eating anything. Yeah. So just basically... And that proved to be one of the least popular appetizers (laughs) on the menu. When they tried to sneak that pill into the poo-poo platter, that did not go over well. No, no, that did not go over well. Some of the other concerns were, well, what about for developing babies? Mm -hmm. Can it you know, cross the blood-brain barrier? Can it go into the placenta? Can it affect my child? And the evidence shows that, no, it really can't. Huh. Um, that we metabolize MSG really efficiently, and so does a developing fetus. Just to be safe, the regulations still say that it's not recommended for infants, for newborns. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, don't, don't give feed, your newborns yeah, Chinese don't, food. Don't give yeah. your newborns Chinese food. But that, and maybe within the first trimester, if you really, really want to be safe, but avoid you, it. But as but you say, it's, it's actually, naturally occurring. So does. you give them a little uh, tomato stew ti- thing. Exactly. Every young. time you eat a tomato, you're yeah. you're eating MSG. And what else? Mushrooms? Mm-hmm. Mushrooms, Parmesan. Really? If you think of things that have that slight kind of umami taste on their own. It's often seaweed. because yeah, of MSG. Yeah, often. Not always. Is it the case that this Chinese restaurant syndrome was one of these, you know, mass delusions that people said it, they picked up the idea, and then, you know, got into people's heads? Yes. Um, When they tried to test it, they found absolutely no evidence for it. When they thought, well, maybe there are just some people who are, you know, more sensitive to MSG, there Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be any evidence for that either. But there are people who are more suggestible than others. And if you say, oh, this is what happens after you eat Chinese food with MSG, all of a sudden you're feeling sick. It's like when someone, when you finish eating and then someone says, oh, by the way, do you know what was in that? Sometimes you're actually going to throw up if that was something that you have a really strong reaction to. And they're like, oh, I didn't want to tell you. You enjoyed it, right? Right. Now I'm going to tell you what you ate. That Um, was the last Britney Spears album. (laughs) (laughs) No! 
<laughs> I can't stand them. So the whole MSG thing might have been just that. You know, you get press, people yeah. start being panicked about it. They start seeing symptoms. And, you know, when you think that you're going to get an elevated heart rate, often you can make your heart rate elevated and yeah. you can make your own blood pressure go up when you're nervous. I mean, there are panic attacks, which are caused entirely by the person? Yeah. They're not, it's not that they're not real. It's no. not that a lot of this phenomenon is not real. You know, it really does affect you. It just, the main cause of it is, well, it's psychosomatic. Let's exactly. not forget that the soma and the psychosoma, somatic is the body. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've done re-reviews occasionally. There was one in the 90s. They've done them in 2008, I think, most recently. And the conclusions have stayed the same. MSG is safe. So it sounds a lot like the saccharin studies or the red dye number five studies, things that were thought to be bad and things that actually kind of got drummed out of food because of this conception, but only in such ridiculously high doses. Right. And some, I mean, some of those studies, you remember when we talked about artificial sweeteners yes. and we found that they're actually is good evidence that good they're bad for you. But for different but, reasons. But for different reasons, yeah. right. But they don't cause cancer. Right. And the cancer data is what is analogous in this part to the MSG because the cancer data was from giving it to rats in ridiculous quantities. And so when a restaurant says no MSG, they're not really helping anyone except that they totally are helping people because the whole reason people think MSG is bad is because people think MSG is bad. Except I think they're hurting people if, they're, if their food actually ends up tasting worse as a result. Well, I'd, they have I'd, to prove it I want MSG ways. food all the way if it actually Im- improves my, my sensory experience. Okay, so let's get it official. Let's get it officially down in the stone tablets of is this bullshit? Is this bullshit? MSG is bad for you. That's absolute bullshit. MSG is just fine. I like it when it's clean like that. What's your favorite Chinese food? I'm going to have to think about that for a second. Can I give you two answers for me? Mm-hmm. Eggplant and garlic when you're right there, but you could never have it the next day. And Chinese True. I love, Chinese, day. I, I love Chinese eggplant. That's a good one. Yes. Chinese eggplant garlic is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then in general, like if I just could eat anything just by taste, I would have General Tso's chicken. It's terrible. It's the worst thing for you. It is, but it's kind of great. Yeah, I like soup dumplings. I like teriyaki too. Do you? Sometimes. Yeah. It depends. I guess teriyaki is more Japanese though. No MSG. Although umami, Japanese word. Oh, wow. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Confidence Game. She writes about science. She pronounces things bullshit or not bullshit. Thank you, Maria. This episode of The Gist is sponsored by OneHub, a better way for businesses to securely store and share your business files online. OneHub makes companies more productive by keeping teams up to date. And with the blazingly fast blazingly fast. OneHub Sync technology. Changes to shared files like documents or spreadsheets are immediately distributed through a hybrid peer-to-peer plus cloud method. You want to know how many hyphens are in peer-to-peer plus cloud? One, two, three, four. So you know it's a good method. This means your collaborators are always up to date and more productive, and they can make more informed decisions using the latest versions. OneHub also features live customer support, so if you have any questions, you could chat with a real person. See why thousands of businesses have trusted their online storage, collaboration, and syncing needs to OneHub. Try OneHub free today and receive a 30% discount offer. Just visit OneHub.com gist. That's OneHub. O-N-E-H-U-B dot com slash gist. And now the Spiel Ford Theater. This is how they used to market the Ford F-150. 
Okay, odds are if you're one of the people in America with a pickup truck, it ain't a luxury, it's a way of life. And chances are you're not making your money pushing a pencil or hand model. All right, that was an ad from about seven years ago. It also talked about being concerned about miles per gallon. Now, who cares about that, right? But we still, here's a recent ad, we still have the tough guy talk. To the future and the future of tough. Introducing the all-new Ford F-150. The first and only pickup with a high-strength, military-grade aluminum alloy body. But I have a theory about why Ford puts those ads on TV. Why they position the Ford F-150 as this quintessential American truck. It's for branding and to attract customers, but it's really so that when you buy the Ford F-150, your neighbors will think, wow, that guy bought the quintessential American truck. That guy, my neighbor, he's got a truck with the hauling capacity of a pack of mules and the ability to charge up a hill like a motivated grizzly. But you know what's really going on with the Ford 150? And if you're going to make the purchase, if you're going to spend $60,000 on the new limited edition Ford F-150, here's what's really going on. And I learned this from, among other places, a video put out on YouTube by Key West Ford. It's pretty much a fetish video for Ford enthusiasts. Truckies, as they're called. You meet the inflatable seatbelt, inflatable to cover a greater diameter of the body. Don't know if that works. Seems cool to me. You meet, by my count, the six different device charging ports. And then there's this feature. If you plan to drive this vehicle for a couple hours at a time, turn on those massage seats, and you will diminish the amount of fatigue that you feel at the end of a long drive. Absolutely fantastic. It'll massage your buttocks as well as your lower back. And this video doesn't even mention another feature available on the Lariat and Platinum Edition. Platinum Lariats. What is this, Wonder Woman's truck? Anyway, the new Ford F-150 offers interiors, quote, accented with fiddleback eucalyptus wood trim. Eucalyptus. Ford not responsible for the transport of koalas. Eucalyptus trees are not even native to the United States. That's an Aussie tree, mate. But oh, of course, no one will ever criticize the military-grade anvil-forged eagle-dicked alloy that is Ford because USA. And if you say USA on the soil of USA, then you're USA okay. But oh, to speak out of turn on foreign soil. You always hear this about the president going overseas, and he said it on foreign soil. I think the president should just take a little Ziploc bag of American loam with him and sprinkle it on the ground whenever he gives a speech and dodge the charge of saying something un-American on foreign soil. They said it about him today when he said this. I actually think I'm a pretty good president. I think if I ran, I could win. But I can't. And right afterwards, Bill Kristol, editor of the Weekly Standard, an American president saying this while abroad is embarrassing. Obama, if I ran for a third term, I could win. Well, would it make it any better if you knew that Obama said pretty much the same thing in the USA on the podcast WTF? Wait, that was on podcaster garage soil. I'm, I'm a better president and would be a better candidate if I were running again than I ever have been. All right, a little context here about why he was talking about a third term. He was in Africa. And in Africa, they have a giant problem with leaders who tend to stay in office even when their terms have expired. In fact, there's this huge cash prize for a leader who leaves when the term limits have expired. We talked on this show. This is going on in Rwanda. The president specifically mentioned Burundi. 
And he's just doing what the U.S. has always done and what the U.S. should do, leading by example, inspiring other countries to have the same commitment to democracy that we do, which is a great thing, except when a Democratic president does it, according to some conservative commentators. This is the part of the objection. He's diminishing the office. Every time Obama takes a selfie, he's diminishing the office. And this one always irritated me. It's part of the overall worship of Ronald Reagan that he always wore a suit jacket in the Oval Office. Well, I want you to know that I have a picture. This is real. I have a picture of Ronald Reagan on Air Force One wearing a button-down shirt, dress shoes, and in between that shirt and those shoes, sweatpants, gray sweatpants on Air Force One, like your grandpa. Talk about soiling the dignity of the office. Sure, the airborne at the time office, but still. As the Ford Eucalyptus incident shows, there is no distinction anymore between domestic and foreign. And also, and this one's going out to Bill Crystal. there's a much simpler solution when a long haul leaves you feeling butthurt. And that's it for today's show. Producer Andrea Salenzi is paid in duck sauce packets at her insistence. Managing producer Joel Meyer is irrelevant today because Mike Volo edited the show. Mike Volo is a co-host of the Slate podcast Lexicon Valley. And there he'll wonder why it's chicken lo mein but kung pao chicken. Andy Bowers is the executive producer, our general Cho, if you will. For a picture of Ronald Reagan in sweatpants and dress shoes on Air Force One, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash SlateGist. The Gist, formerly the Bamboo Golden Happiness Temple Dragon Dynasty Garden. Thanks for listening. <laughs>